Jamie and Gretchen are ministering to our college students at San Luis Obispo down there. Actually, my wife used to go to Slow, yeah? So they're going to come up right now, and we're going to share with them a little bit, find out a little bit what's happening. So come on up. We're going to do this standing thing because I didn't bring in chairs. I only have one chair. I know, we can get the chair for Gretchen. I think that would... Shouldn't, we, shouldn't you do that? You know, that's, that seems appropriate. <laughs> do you want the chair? She may say, no, I'm going to stand. But that's okay. We're still going to let her sit because she's kind of the queen and All we're right. just the, we're the supporters. The we're the supporters. Yeah, and let's get her a microphone. That's for you. Get you a mic. Oh, wow. Hey, see, you get, you get it all, you know. You're going to let her hold the mic. I'm huh? going to let her hold the mic. <laughs> yeah. All right. You can have one so you can get <laughs> That's anything. true. That's fair. And, uh, you know, if it doesn't work, you get that. Uh, Jamie and Greg, these are wonderful. Why don't you give them a hand right now? They deserve that. Uh, Jamie and Gretchen were both ministering prior to my coming to the church. They've been at San Luis about 15 years? Yeah. How has that gone, Gretchen? Oh, it's fantastic. Yes? Yeah. Going well? I, I hear so many wonderful things. I just keep looking at what's going on and go, my goodness, talk about somebody called to ministry. These two have had a phenomenal response to their teaching, to their guidance. Uh, it just goes on and on and on, all the guys has been doing. So we're going to learn a little bit about that. I'm just going to ask a few questions. We'll try to get a handle on what's happening. Uh, Gretchen... When you all were called to San Luis, what's happened since then? Did you would say some of the biggest things that have happened that are big um, deal? Well, feel free to jump in. Okay. But, um, I think the ministry was growing when we when they asked us to pray about taking the be the directors there, um, and it was growing to become just huge, and so we decided. And um, we actually have about 945 college students who are in small group Bible studies, um, which is crazy. And it's just, I think what's happened is that we had to depend on the Holy Spirit and God to do things because we realized pretty soon after we got there that we couldn't manage everything Uh on our own. And that was actually, that's a great thing. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. To have, to be forced to have to let go mm-hmm. of things and not try to control everything. So, um, you know, we call it a big mess, but it's a great mess. It's a great and mess. It's a beautiful mess. Yeah. yeah. And one of the, um, I think one of my favorite things being there long term is we, we've gotten to see students graduate and just go all over the world. And we have some here. We watch, you know, Jody graduated yeah. and we got yeah. Kelly, you know, she's now doing that, but she can be graduating. They just they just love you guys. And, and the key is this, I want us to understand this because we're all about this at the church, is these two build relationships with these kids that are going on forever. These young men and women, they're not kids. They are young men and young women. And they're helping them to grow up and understand how God can work in them and mature uh, their ministry is truly amazing, long-term, uh, like I said, 15 years now. And I, I was talking to Jamie earlier, and I said, you know they're going to try and push you to uh, get farther into the ministry of Campus Crusade because you are so incredibly capable and stable and knowledgeable, and all those things are true. I'm not just saying that. 
and he realized it, but he's like, but I love campus ministry. I love ministering to, to college people and watch them grow. And I know the next thing he loves, like my wife, it's, we, we get these texts from her kids that she works at the high school, and mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I got this new job. They graduated two years ago. Look, the, the new job I got married. And she's like, oh, it's this girl that was, and I go, who? She said, what's this girl that I got to share with and actually led her to the Lord or taught her about this stuff? And I go, oh, my goodness. And I know you guys get that all the time. All right. mm-hmm. And it just stirs your heart, and you start going, look what God is doing in the lives of people after they leave. It's a continuous ministry, and that's why I appreciate so much. I know that that's happening with you guys, and I, I'm so sold on that, as you well know. I'm going. It's about relationships and about relationship building, and that's where these young men and women uh, have to have somebody to kind of come back to. And we're becoming, unfortunately, Jamie, kind of the grandfathers. Of, <laughs> I'm not grandfatherly. Yeah, yet. he's not there yet. Fatherly, I'll, yeah, fatherly. Fine, he's going with. That's what I used to say. I'm, I'm the fatherly right. type, but I am older than Jamie, so it's true. Not much, but I am older. <laughs> Than, than Jamie, and it, that's, you know, what, what takes place there. Um, okay, so that's a couple things. What about recently? What's, what's the big things that have stood out for you in, in your ministry recently, just this year, things that have stood out, or even that you're involved in now that perhaps you want to share with them? Jamie's going to share a bit more as he shares the message. He'll kind of weave it in the message today, but something, Gretchen, anything you can think of that you'd like to let us know? Um, well, my main, my main job, our, so our kids are getting older. Grace is actually a freshman this year at Cal Poly. Oh, my. She's a sophomore now. Oh, she's one year done. So I actually am as old as their mom, Mm -hmm. um, which is great. Yes. Um, And then our son is going to be a junior in high school. So that's given me a little bit more freedom to do more on campus, which um, we always seem to have a need for women on campus. Oh, yeah. So my main thing that I've been doing the last couple of years is training our small group Bible study leaders. We have about 70-ish, mostly juniors, but there are some seniors and a couple sophomores who are going to be leading all of the freshman studies all over campus. So I get to train them, and it's really fun, and um, they're in every dorm on campus. We have a men's and women's study. And then lately we've been challenging our students to go into communities where there aren't any Christians and just to build relationships with people and, and be Jesus in those communities. Yes. And so our daughter Grace will be pledging a sorority in the fall <laughs> oh to my. go to one of those places. And she doesn't oh. want to go to a sorority where there's already a Christian presence. She wants to go to one. Oh so here's the things that I'm telling my students to do. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. You're going to do that? No, 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 no. Yeah. That's a little scarier when yeah. it's actually my kid. Mm-hmm. I totally understand. Yeah, <laughs> but we're excited for her, yeah, yeah. and we think she's ready. So my, my daughter was up in Nepal when she went with YWAM, and she up in Nepal, and I was like, she was saying, I want to do YWAM. I said, that's great. And she got into the ministry. I'm going to Nepal, and I said, hold it just a minute. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was thinking Hawaii. Right. Uh, you know, Nepal. Oh, and then yeah. when she told me the stories of what really happened, I was truly afterwards thinking, you are a terrible father. You allowed her to do that. <laughs> right. Well, oh my goodness, what, what experiences they get, and um, they were ready for it. Mm-hmm. Let's pray for these cool. two. Thanks. Father, we thank you so much for the ministry that you have established at San Luis Obispo, and especially we thank you for these two that you've set aside uh, to make a difference in the lives of these young men and young women. Thank you they've been willing to pour out their lives 
to be transparent in who they are and what they believe, how they draw close to you and teaching others how to do that as well. I ask you'll continue that process to guide them as you seek to use them in, in powerful ways in the weeks and months and years to come. I know you are, so let your will be done. Keep them safe, protect them, watch over them, guide them in giving wisdom to their children as they become young men and young women as well. Bless them in every way possible as they have chosen to yield to you and desire to see you moving in their lives. So work your will. Thank you as you do. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's give him a hand. Jamie's going to stay up here, but Gretchen can go have a seat. Thanks, Gretchen. And we have a question. Let's all stand up. And we've got a kind of a question for the day we're going to kick into. So I want you everybody stand up. And I think our question for the day is, is simply, what's been your favorite part of summer so far? So interact. What's been your favorite part so far? Share with one another. Give out some hugs. And... We appreciate that. You've got your outlines with you that give you the text for today. And Jamie has also put together some PowerPoint for those of you that are more visual, want to look up. I've asked Jamie to share uh, this particular text because he's a gifted teacher. And you're going to want to enjoy and listen, and I know I get to as well. So let's pray and ask God to lead this. Father, you are God. Let your will be done. Speak to us through your word. Bless Jamie as he clarifies to us your truth. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Cool. Thanks, Lee. Well, hey, guys. It's always good to be here. Um, it's always a greeting of those that we've known for a long time, like the Strackens here in the front row. I, we knew you guys before our kids were born, I think. So that's at least 19 years ago. So we've known them for a long time, a lot of the other couples out here. And then there's some new faces, like Justin is a new face for me, which is kind of like looking in the mirror. Um, <laughs> so that's a beautiful face. And he's a, new fa- he's a new face to me, but I guess he's leaving already. So that's what happens. You know, we're only here every year or every two years sometimes. But it's, it's awesome to be here. And, and I'm stoked that I get to teach the Word. I love to do that. It's one of the favorite parts of my job. And in, in some ways, it's a way that I can kind of give back to this church that has done so much for us over all these years, the 20 plus years that we've kind of been a community of people following Jesus together. So thanks, Lee, for giving me an opportunity to do something that I know you love. So you have to um, take the day off, I suppose. I think you still get paid, though, from what I understand. <laughs> That's a good deal. Well, my primary text is, it, we're in Colossians, so Lita said, you know, jump right in with where we're at, and the primary text I'll be looking at is Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. However, um, I, I did want to just look at the passage right before that, I won't spend much time there, but as I was reading the passage and getting familiar with the context and, and all that, I was like, hey, this passage really fits my spirit, my attitude towards this church, so I thought I'd, I'd start there. Before that, though, I just want to say thank you on behalf of our students. Um, here's our weekly meeting place. This is where we gather. There's a church in San Luis Obispo that was just gracious enough to let us use their facility every week at almost nothing charge, minimal charge. So the students say thank you because you guys are a part of this. I don't know if you know that, but you do support us directly. But then these are your, these are your grandkids right here. All these students. And many of these guys have gone to other campuses to do Campus Crusade for Christ. Some of them are in Afghanistan. Some of them are in Turkey. Some of them are in East Asia. Some of them are in El Salvador. I mean, they're all over the world. 
Um, and I'll talk about that a little bit. So thanks for, on behalf of them, thank you. So the verse I wanted to just look at is how Paul starts off the passage. He does introduce himself and Timothy. Timothy's probably doing the scribing while Paul's the one that's dictating the letter. Okay, I definitely need my glasses. Dang. Just has come to that. Um, and then he tells, you know, in verse 3, this is kind of the part that reflects the sentiment of my heart. It says, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we've heard of your faith. He says, you've heard of, we've heard of your love for one another. And then he gives thanks because of the gospel, essentially. It's our hope in heaven. It's the word of truth. And the gospel is bearing fruit in the congregation. And then Paul says the gospel is bearing fruit all over the world. And that's just what I want to say is I want to say thank you to you as a church. And I do see your love and I do see your faith, particularly your faithfulness to give to us, to pray for our ministry, to be a part of what we're doing. So very much like the relationship Paul had with the church in Colossae, we have that same relationship with you guys. And so I was like, Paul, this is awesome because this is what I want to say to these guys. And really the fruit is... The fruit in San Luis Obispo and the fruit that's all over the world is fruit that comes from this church because you guys are part of that through prayer and financial support. And it really is all over the world. I mean, I mentioned some countries. There are more countries than that that have been touched by the ministry at at Cal Poly. This next week, we'll be in Chicago, Gretchen and I will, and one of the things we do there is we brief all the teams that are going to go all over the world from all the campuses in the United States. And, you know, it's almost every continent. It's absolutely unbelievable what's going on all over the world. And sometimes it's, you know, I have a student that I worked with who's Mexican-American, you know, living in the United States, went to Turkey this summer to reach Iranian refugees. Now, isn't that cool? You know, how God kind of works, works it out that way. And so you're a part of that. You're a part of all that stuff. Well, the passage that I'll be focusing in on, like I said, is 9 through 14. So the attitude that Paul has in this passage, this beginning part, is he's he's thankful and he's prayerful. And I think those are two great things to have as a condition of our heart. And Paul has that condition. He says, I'm thankful and I'm prayerful. And what I love about this passage is we get a chance to see what does Paul pray? How does Paul pray? How does he pray for his friends? How does he pray for this church? How does he pray for these other people? What does he do? How does he pray? And, you know, anytime you're looking at a passage where it's not necessarily a teaching on how to pray, he's not saying, here's what I want you to do. He's simply modeling it. You know, we need to be a little careful. We can't say that this is the only way to pray or, you know, this is, the, this is what we always have to do. But I think it's a good model. And so I think we can learn a lot from Paul's from the way that Paul prays for this church, okay? Now, I've been thinking a lot about prayer. We've been learning a lot about prayer this year in our, in our ministry. And when I think about prayer, I think a lot of times our prayer tends to be circumstantial, okay? And what do I mean by that? Well, I think that usually when we pray, we're praying because we want to have wisdom or we want to know what to do in a particular circumstance. Usually that's why we're praying, okay? What do I do? Justin, where do I go next? When do I leave this place? So, you know, those are probably prayers that he's prayed. Let me ask you guys, are there some things that you're wondering about what to do next that you're praying about right now? Or maybe you're not even praying about it. You haven't gotten that far. You're just worrying about it. 
That's what I do first. I worry, and then I pray. Are there some things out there that you guys are kind of wondering what to do about? Just shout them out. Yeah. Okay. Right. It can be a lot of things. Okay. Work kids. Kids. Man, your prayer life goes crazy when you have kids, doesn't it? But even in that, some big decisions like do we homeschool, do we not homeschool? You know, what, what college to send our kids to, junior college, whatever. A lot of kids, a lot of stuff there. How to pay for it, right? Questions about, yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay, great. Yeah, perfect segue. I didn't even pay him to do this. but So a lot of times we're praying, like, what do I do in this situation? So that's circumstantial. The other thing that we do is we kind of pray in response to circumstances. Like, circumstances are gnarly and bad, so I'm praying now, like, change the circumstances. Like, my finances aren't enough. Lord, would you, would you make that better? Would you change the circumstances? Finances, health, and relationships, I think, are the three things circumstantially that we always seem to be worried about and hopefully praying about, you know, in response to those things. Like you're not getting along with your parents, you're not getting along with your brother and sister. And again, you may not be praying about it, but you should. Those are good things to pray for. Those, we, we pray about our circumstances, okay? Whether it be what to do in a circumstance or for a circumstance to change or for a circumstance to materialize. I would love a boyfriend. I would love a girlfriend. I'd like to be married. You know, a lot of times we're praying for things that we want. I think these are totally okay things to pray for. In fact, I could give countless examples from Scripture of people who've gone before us who prayed for wisdom and insight. What do I do in these circumstances? It's all throughout the Bible. And certainly there are examples of prayer where people are praying in response to circumstances, like David praying against his enemies as as Saul and his armies were pursuing him. He doesn't like that. He's praying against it. Or praying for... His armies as they're going against the Philistines. Or, you know, praying against the circumstances. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Lord, take this cup from me. Not your will be done, but mine. Sorry, backwards. Not my will be done, but yours. Big difference, right? But here's a circumstance that Jesus is in, and he expresses his heart, and he prays against it. Paul had this thing called the thorn in the flesh. We're not totally sure what it is, a messenger of Satan. That sounds really weird and creepy. But it says that he prayed against that circumstance. So it's okay to pray against circumstances and to pray for the things that I just talked about. However, in Paul's example of prayer, that's not what he does. That's not what he does. As he's praying for this church, that's not what he prays for. So let's look and see what Paul does when he's praying for people and his friends. So verse 9. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. 
For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Okay, so that is Paul's prayer. He basically prays, probably you could say, for kind of, he prays two things, basically. And the first thing that he prays for, and this is kind of the overarching thing, is he does pray that they'd be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Okay? So he does pray that they'd be filled with spiritual wisdom and understanding and that they'd, they would be aware of God's will. Now, in some ways, that's what we did talk about, right? Like, what do I do in this situation? What do I do in this circumstance? However, when Paul's talking about them praying with the, for the knowledge of God's will, he's not necessarily praying like, what do I do in circumstance A or circumstance B? He's really praying a more broad prayer. Like, I just want to know what God wants for me, not just in my circumstances, but in much more broad terms. And that's what he's going to now outline. Okay, well, what, is, what does that look like? What does it mean to know God's will? The interesting Greek word there for knowledge, it's actually a New Testament word only. The New Testament writers invented this word because it, it, it's epigenosis, which means like complete knowledge. And that's kind of the language that Paul uses here, right? Filled all this idea that you would not just know like circumstantially what, I'm, what am I supposed to do, but you just be aware of spiritual things and know how to conduct yourself in all circumstances. I think we make knowing God's will a little bit too... I think we make it too much of a mystery. You know, we have to go find God's will and we're, we're trying to figure out what God wants for us. And what Paul's talking about here is he says, look, you're filled with the knowledge of his will and it's all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And what I think he's making reference to is the fact that you're actually filled with the Holy Spirit. If you are a follower of Jesus if you've committed your life to Christ, you have the God of the universe living inside of you. We act like that's no big deal. It's a big deal to have the God of the universe living inside of you who's walking with you step by step in all these circumstances and he wants to manifest in you not just his will but his characteristics and his attributes and all these things that are true of God, there are communicable properties that God wants to share with us. It's amazing. So when, when the Holy Spirit is described, the Bible uses the words like counselor, guide. He leads you into all truth. So this is who's living in you, the God of the universe who's your counselor, your guide, and leads you into all truth. Now the beauty of this is it comes with a promise. Okay, So James chapter 1 verse 5 is this promise now a lot of times we pray against the circumstances like we pray we don't want this to happen lord we want another thing to happen so we're praying for our circumstances to change okay a lot of times that's what our prayers are but if you look at the beginning of james even in verse 2 I don't have slides for this, so sorry about that up there. Um, James is saying, hey, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. This endurance is going to have this perfect result. You'll be complete, lacking in nothing. So we always pray against circumstances, which again, I don't want you to forget. I think you should 
but I don't think we should focus on changing the circumstances, but rather we should focus on having the right attitude in the midst of the circumstances because those circumstances have purpose. And this is the purpose. Then in verse 5, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So in the midst of these circumstances that you are saying, Lord, I don't like this. I'd like this to change. In the midst of that, I think what the Lord wants us to do is he wants us to pray for wisdom and what to do while the circumstances are not changing. Okay, what do I do when things aren't going my way? Okay, and that's what Paul does in this passage. By the way, we can pray until we're blue in the face to change circumstances, but sometimes God has a purpose for those circumstances and he ain't budging. Right? But as soon as we pray for the wisdom and discernment to navigate the circumstances, according to the promise in this, per- this verse, we have that. So we can sometimes pray and pray and pray for circumstances to change, you know, for things to change. And God's like, maybe I have a plan for you. And it's not your plan, you know. But he says, but I'll give you what you need in the midst of that. Pray for that because that's a promise. I'll give you the wisdom that you need to navigate it, okay? Now, go back to Colossians. Because there's a point to knowing God's will. There's a point to knowing how we should conduct ourselves in the midst of these circumstances. Okay, and that's in verse 10. Okay. Again, a lot of times we just want to pray because we don't like the circumstance we're in or we want a different circumstance or, gosh, just let me know what I'm supposed to do. We're often very self-focused in our prayers, which again, hear me say, that's okay. God loves us. He wants us to pray for ourselves. However... God tends to be very God-focused. He's weird about that. And that's what he does here. So, so why do you need to know God's will? Why are you praying for this wisdom and insight? It's so that, this is verse 10, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects. Okay? And then in the new NIV, there's a colon there. Because basically what Paul is doing is he says, let me tell you what it looks like to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects. He says, this is what it looks like. Bear fruit in every good work. Increase in the knowledge of God. Be strengthened with all power. um, And his glorious might. And then he says, um, actually, attaining all steadfastness and patience. Okay, let me break that down a little bit. Again, when we're praying for God's will, a lot of what he wants to tell us is not what to do in that circumstance, but what should, how should I conduct myself in the midst of the trial or circumstance? And what he's saying is I want you to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. One of the things that we encountered this year, we had a lot of prayer requests that we could have sent you guys, and a lot of times we do through our newsletters, we send prayer requests. One of the prayer requests that happened this year Um, was one day in the Mustang Daily, so that's the campus newspaper, uh, an opinion article was written. And it was written from this girl who's the most outspoken advocate for gay rights on campus. She's incredibly intelligent. I know her because every panel that I've sat on, whether it be religion and homosexuality or religion and politics or religion and gender, she's there. 
She's in the audience, and she's asking that very difficult question that her hopes, I think, have been to make me look like a bigot or make me look intolerant or just to make me look bad and make crew look bad, Campus Crusade, and Christians look bad. So I know who she is. She basically writes a letter in in the paper that says, an open letter addressed to Jamie Pappas, director of crew, and to President Jeffrey Armstrong, the president of the university. The letter is basically asking for our removal from campus based on, the fa- based on her claims that we're intolerant and that we're inexclusive. Okay, we're, ex- we're exclusive. We're exclusive. Now, if you're the director of the ministry, like I am, that's a pretty scary letter to read, especially in the California State University system where Christian groups are being kicked off campus all over the place because of this all-comers policy that was put into place about a year ago or two years ago. So, Cal, you know, Cal State, Bakersfield, all these different Christian organizations are being kicked on camp, off campus. So, so my prayer life increased because of my circumstances. Funny how that works. Now, one of the things that I was praying for is in accordance to what Paul is talking about here, Okay. I knew what I needed to do in the circumstance. It wasn't a question of what do I do. I know I needed to respond in some way, right? But what I wanted to make sure I did is that I responded in a way that, was, that I was walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, that I was pleasing Him, that my wisdom and understanding wasn't just about argumentation <clears throat> and <clears throat> taking my Talbot training and ethics and um, philosophy and, you know, putting her in her place. Like, that was my knee-jerk reaction. Like, oh, I know what to do. I'll put her in her place. Um, But I I took some time to actually pray, like, Lord, what do I do? What's the wise thing to do in this situation? And it was, how do we conduct ourselves in the midst of this trial? And what the Lord showed me is, like, the first thing that he says in that, remember that colon I said that comes in verse 10, you know, that we're supposed to please him in all respects, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, um, bearing fruit. Well, bearing fruit, what's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. I think there's a self-control in there. Yeah, right? So... The Lord said, you know, he wants to give you this ability to bear fruit in the midst of that circumstance. Love, joy, peace, patience, kind, all that kind of stuff, okay? And it's in, it's in that being manifest in me through the, through the Spirit, through the Lord's Spirit, that I now wrote the article, that I now responded to her, okay? I am convinced that the Lord is more glorified not in our blessings but in our trials, Because he is more glorified in our blessings and in our trials. Why is that? Well, when we're blessed, I don't know that a lot of people look at us and be like, you must be following God. You drive a really nice car. You know, your kids are beautiful. Or whatever. Your yard is so well taken care of. I don't know. It's like, you know, and those are the things that we think so much about, and it's our blessings. But I think most often God is more glorified in our trials because then people are like, what? We had a staff couple this year who lost their baby two weeks before he was due. 
And it's like, those are just awful circumstances, right? But, you know, and I don't know why God allows that kind of thing. I, I would not even approach answering that question. But I can tell you that God has been so glorified in this situation because of their joy, they would use that word. Now, is it all the time? No, it's not all the time. There's a peace, right? There is a faith there that is unbelievable, a continuing trusting of the God who allows that to happen. And believe me, people look at them and they're like, wow, okay, God is giving you these qualities. How could you possibly have that kind of joy and peace in the midst of these circumstances? Now, I would never pray for those circumstances or any kind of gnarly circumstances. The point is sometimes those circumstances are allowed to happen. I've been a part of this church relationally for a long time. There's been some gnarly stuff that's happened to people in this church. And I've seen as I've sat in funerals for six-year-old girls, I've seen God be glorified through those kinds of circumstances. So a lot of times, again, we're praying against the circumstance, praying against the circumstance, but I think what the Lord wants to do is wants to manifest in us these qualities so that even in the midst of that circumstance, he will be glorified and often more glorified than he would be any other way, you know? And, and unfortunately, we are still in a broken and fallen world, so there's going to be a lot of that stuff. And we can... Fight against it, but Paul, he says he prayed three times against the thorn in the flesh. Three times. And he's like, well, okay, your grace is sufficient for me. And it's in my weakness that you will be strong. That's his response. And that's exactly what happens. In our weakness, God takes over and demonstrates those qualities that are manifest through his spirit, and he's glorified. And when God's glorified, people look at God, and they're like, I want that. That's who I need. I don't necessarily need better circumstances. I need God, because that's way more transcendent than the circumstances. So I wrote the letter in response, and um, I got an email response where she said, thanks for the thoughtful response. And I was like, well, that's good. Um... And I said, you know what, I really want to meet with you face-to-face because it seems like you have some issues with me, with crew, and with Christians. So I'd love to meet with you face-to-face. Now, over the course of the next month, it just wasn't happening because I was traveling and just whatever. We couldn't get our schedules to work. Over the course of that month, a lot of our students were going into some of those places that Gretchen was talking about. I mentioned Grace going into a sorority, but we have students that are going into the Pride Center. The Pride Center is the center on campus. It's state-sponsored. That is for gay and lesbian students. Our students were going in there and basically asking, how can we serve you? We want to love you, basically. And we want to be Christ in this place. So over that month, that was taking place. And so there's some really cool things going on on our campus in relationship to that community. We decided to do what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. We decided to love our enemies, to pray for our enemies, and to turn the other cheek. We, I taught on the Sermon on the Mount for two years, so it's kind of hard to spend two years in a passage and then not like do it. You know, that'd be embarrassing, right? <laughs> so we decided we're going to do it. Actually, Christians are pretty good at that, actually. We read the Bible and don't do what it says. But anyway, we decided we were going to do what it said. So our students were doing that. 
So I finally get an appointment with this girl, and I meet her for coffee. And when I walked up, I was so nervous. I was like, okay, turn the other cheek, turn the other cheek, you know, love. And, um, and she's sitting there, and she was not drinking coffee. She was there for business. She was, I mean, she just looked stone-faced. And I approached her, and it was such the awkward greeting. I was going for the handshake, and she went for the hug. And then in the middle of that, we both were like, nope, that's not what we're doing. So now I'm going for the hug, and she's going for the handshake. It was awful. And then I'm like, oh, she must think I'm like a total bigot because I didn't try to hug, and I went for the hand. I was just like, and I'm like, I'm going to go get a cup of coffee. I don't even really drink coffee that much. I just needed a stall, you know. So I finally sit down, and it's like, I mean, if I have an enemy at Cal Poly, and I really don't, but this would probably be the closest thing. She's written against me in the paper. She stood up in these panels and, you know, tried to make me look. I mean, this is my enemy, basically. And the first words out of her mouth were, Jamie, I'd like to ask for your forgiveness for the way I've judged you, crew, and Christians. And she went on to tell me that God has given her a love that she can't explain. And she said, I used to, me and my friends would go to coffee houses. You know, Christians love to hang out in coffee houses. So they're all there. And she said, we would be in these coffee houses and we'd just look around and say, why are there so many gosh darn, but she didn't say gosh darn, why are there so many gosh darn Christians here? And they get all mad. And we talked about some of the panels. And she's like, Jamie, I was just so angry. I didn't listen to a thing you said. I was just so angry. And she says, I think Jesus is amazing. And the way that he loves people. And we, and we started talking about our spiritual journeys. And we started talking about, I started talking about how I've had a difficult time loving this community. And she's talking about how she's had a hard time loving Christians. And it was one of the most meaningful spiritual conversations I had all year. And when we ended that conversation... It wasn't awkward. We genuinely embraced each other because we genuinely had a love and a respect for one another. Her life was changed not because I argued her way into my position, though I think there's a place for that. But I think when it comes to our interpersonal conduct with people, what I read in scriptures is we're supposed to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, right, And he seems to talk a lot about love. I don't know if you noticed that, but he talks a lot about it. And love, this is not, I'm getting off track, but love is unconditional. What does that mean? It means it doesn't matter who they are, what they believe. It doesn't matter that we're supposed to love them, which means honor them and listen to them. And so that's what we're trying to do. Well, the other things that we do to walk in a manner is to bear that fruit, so that's the fruit of the Spirit. But it also could be, you know, evangelistic fruit. I think that's going to happen. Then he says, um, we get to know God better. So when you trust in God in the midst of your circumstances and don't curse God because of your circumstances and you cling to Him in the midst of your circumstances, it says that you increase in the knowledge of God. And then verse 11, you're strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. Again, the Holy Spirit will give you strength. Why? Because you need to attain steadfastness and patience. God's timing is rarely our timing. And so a lot of times we need to just be patient and wait for him to do his thing and wait for him to change the circumstance or 
We just need steadfastness and patience to get through the circumstance. Right? And then finally what he prays for is he just, he's just thankful for the gospel. He kind of started with the gospel when he was like thanking the church and he was thankful for the gospel then. And then he ends this little section by being thankful for the gospel. And I think that's a great reminder, you know, as we're praying in our stuff and our circumstances and in life and for our kids and for college and finances and health and all that stuff. I think it's great to pray for those things and again, allow God to use you in the midst of those circumstances to glorify him. But also I think it's awesome to just remember the gospel in the midst of all that. And the gospel are all these things that are already true of us. And listen to these, you guys. I know most of you probably know this stuff, but we need to, we need to remind ourselves, and a great way to remind yourself is just to actually be thankful for it. So what are these things? Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Whatever God has will be ours in heaven. We'll be his kids. He'll be our dad. We'll be cruising around in his kingdom, and we're not going to have any pain or suffering. That's what we get to look forward to. Amen. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us from the kingdom of his beloved son. And I know that can mean a lot of things to different people. Your domain of darkness. What was that? For me, it was my life and my fraternity in my freshman year. That was my domain of darkness. And he rescued me from that. For you, it could be a lot of different things. But don't forget where God took you from. Darkness into what? The kingdom of light. Where it's good. And it's right. And it's joyful. And then he goes on and says, we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. What's redemption? It's being rescued out of slavery. We no longer are slaves to our sin. Forgiveness of sin. You guys know that you can walk around every single day with no guilt and no shame? Every day. No guilt and no shame because Jesus paid for that on the cross. If you think you're having a bad day, remind yourselves of the truth of the gospel. That's what I do. When I think about it, I don't always think about it, but remind yourselves of the truth of the gospel. It gets us through all, almost any circumstances. Well, that's what I got for you. What I'd love to do is I'd love to pray for you. And not too surprising, I'm going to pray this passage for you. Okay? So would you join me in prayer? Lord, I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for these friends. I do thank you for their faithfulness to me, to one another. I thank you for the love that they have for one another. I thank you that the gospel has gone forth in the city of Costa Mesa, into Newport Beach, into the Central Coast, all over campuses in California, and the gospel has born fruit all over the world. And it's because you choose to use people like us. And Lord, I pray for this congregation. I pray for each person that they would be filled with the knowledge of your will. That they'd have spiritual wisdom that only comes from you. That they'd have understanding or whatever circumstance. And I imagine right now there are circumstances that pop into people's minds. And so I ask that you'd give them an understanding and wisdom. And that in the midst of that, Lord, would they walk in a manner that's worthy of you. 
Would they please you in all respects? Would they bear fruit in every good work? Lord, would you manifest in them love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, gentleness and self-control? And Lord, in the midst of this, would they come to know you better? Would they be strengthened for you, by you? Would they be steadfast? And Lord, would we never forget what you did on the cross so that regardless of circumstances, we have the hope of heaven that will be our permanent home. And that we are princes and princesses of a mighty king who has a glorious place called heaven that we will reside. Thanks for rescuing us from darkness, bringing us into light. Thanks for rescuing us from death and giving us life. And it's in your son's glorious name that we pray. Amen.